And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. And it's time to talk money with Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Luke, good afternoon. Good afternoon, mate. How are you? Really well. Thanks for joining us today. Today we're talking about Centrelink. How does it work and what do I need to remember? Now, Luke, I think you're opening up a, well, what is it, a can of worms now or Pandora's box or one of those things. It's Centrelink. How does it work? I'm not even sure that it does work, but let's do the best we can. Well, you know, and I think that's, you know, a bit of tongue-in-cheek here. Going into this world, you need to understand that this is a slog. It is a marathon and it is an emotionally draining experience the vast majority of times uh, that you need to do it. Now, I know that's a little a little sour for a Friday afternoon, but like anything in life, if you expect things to be torturous and they're not, then you're pleasantly surprised. And I think, you know, again, a little tongue-in-cheek, if you're going down this road or you're entering into this realm or it's going to start becoming uh, something that you can, can take advantage of uh, in my... 20 years of dealing with it, it's one of those things. It's about managing expectations um, and taking little victories where you can get them because I think the, the general process and system uh, maintenance that, that, that goes on in the background here is, is probably chiselling, you know, um, marble, marble pages. Mm-hmm. That's probably the, the, the best way to start. Yeah, I, I know that there's, um, I guess, a widely held expectation that if you need to interact with Centrelink, it might be time-consuming and it might be difficult and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes uh, people are not necessarily all that helpful. But you've got to remember it is a very big organisation. Uh, most of the people there are just trying to do their job as best they can and most of them are really nice trying to help you out but it is a big and cumbersome mm. system and the system itself is a little bit difficult to deal with. Yeah, look, and I think you've made a great distinction there. I, I'm not trying to say that people at Centrelink don't care. I think the interactions that my clients have had and, and I, have, as a business owner, have had over the years is people are there to help the public and they really do care and, and they try and do the best that they can to get an outcome for people. But I think it's like trying to be nimble driving or, or, or steering a massive fighter ship. You know, it's like trying to do a, a three-point turn in HMAS Sydney. Um, and I think you, you're spot on. It's a massive animal. There are a thousand procedures and trying to do anything outside of the norm without following a tick box exercise. Um, I think people working in there are constrained by exactly that. So, yeah. you know, don't think for a second we're anti-centering. We just acknowledge that it's it's a very big animal and it's it's... It's very process-driven. It is. And, of course, in particular today, we're looking specifically at that part of Centrelink, which deals with the age pension. And yeah. uh, that even just that one field is filled with complications, isn't it? Look, exactly. And I really today was just about sort of touching on a couple of misconceptions um, and then some general thresholds and, and just to sort of touch on the, the different sorts of tests that they undertake when you become eligible and what is and isn't considered and things that you should keep in mind. And that's really all we wanted to touch on today because I find people often confuse the Centrelink rules with the Superfund rules, especially when it comes to eligibility and age brackets. Um, and people are very, very pleasantly surprised when I tell them they can retire at 60 with tax-free money. And in their head, they've been quite prepared to work through to 67 by confusing those two day ranges. So we can sort of elaborate on some of that today. Yeah, and actually one of the more confusing elements here is the date of, you know, the age of 67 applies to people 
born after a particular date, but if you're born before that date, it's not necessarily 67, is it? No, that's exactly right. So the, the ageing of your entitlements was changed a number of years ago. Um, so anybody born before 30 June 55, you've, you've qualified. And anybody born after the 1st first, the first 1967, you need to be 67 years of age. And it tears up um, between those two age brackets. So that's the first thing I really point out to people is for those that are uh, a little younger uh, at the moment and, and, and are approaching their eligibility, being born after the 1st of January 1967, you need to be 67 years of age to access your entitlements. Um, and then the next thing we would touch on here is to then say that there are two primary tests that Centrelink use. There's the income test, which is the amount of total income that you can receive and continue or be eligible for the age pension. And there's an asset test. And that's the maximum amount of assets that you can have that does not include your primary home. Let's get that one right out now because some people still believe that the primary home makes them ineligible and it doesn't. So there's a minimum amount of assets that you can have to in, be entitled to full pension. And then there's a maximum at the other end of the scale. So if we look at that, we say, any, in relation to a couple, if you have more than $891,500 worth of assets, and that includes money in the bank, shares in your own name, interest in a company or a trust, and superannuation that is in pension phase then those assets count towards that threshold. If you have more than 891500 you're not going to be entitled to an age pension. If you have less than that, then it's going to be a scaled amount of entitlement depending on what your assets are. And I think that's what people need to keep in mind is that 891 is at the top, that cuts you out. If you have, as a couple, less than $405,000 worth of assets, then you would be entitled to an age pension. So that's the asset test. The income test works in a similar way where they say, again, for a couple, the maximum amount of money you can earn is $84,000 and some change. And where you earn more than $8,320, they will reduce your Centrelink entitlements on a pro-rated basis. So as long as you're over the max, you get nothing. If you're under the minimum, you get a full pension. And anywhere in between, there's a scale difference so that the more you earn, the less you are entitled to. So it's important to keep in mind that it's not the income test and the assets test. It is the test that results in you getting the least amount of benefit that they use, but they apply both of those tests to calculate your entitlement. Okay. And those particular limits that you just described, there are some variations to those as well. For example, uh, it's, a, it's a different income limit if you're a couple compared to if you're a single person. And uh, for the assets test, apparently it's a different asset cap or limit uh, depending on whether or not you own your own home, even though your home is not actually counted. Exactly right. And, and I guess I don't, don't want listeners on a Friday afternoon to get bogged down in the, in the semantics of this, but you're exactly right. So we need to think of asset test and income test. And then we need to think, are we a homeowner or a non-homeowner? And then we have, am I single or am I a couple? So there are actually six different quadrants that you could get into, um, but you're spot on. So for an example, um, the homeowner asset test 
is 891000 The asset test for a non-homeowner is $1,108,000 of assets. So you can see there's a significant difference between those two. So it's important that people consider their personal situation and not worry about what their friends may or may not have got because, as we've just discussed, there are many, many ways that your situation could be assessed differently to a colleague, a friend, or somebody that lives next door to you, depending on your individual considerations. Yeah. The other thing that does provide some confusion for people is the fact that the value of your assets is not just the value of your assets because the government does a thing they call deeming where they deem that your assets are also producing an income, which is a bit annoying if they're not. Look, and, and that's exactly right. So if we, if we extrapolate out what we've just said, we have an asset test and we have whatever we have accumulated over our working lives. In relation to the income test, what they say is of your financial assets that you hold, which could be shares, managed funds, cash in the bank, they will deem a certain amount of income to be earned from those particular assets. Now, if you earn more than they deem, that's a win for you. If you've got something that doesn't earn an income, then you could be losing out on your actual cash flow position. So there are a number of things here that can impact your benefits. And I think this is another great example of understanding the world that you're moving into and being prepared to have a thorough understanding of your position and then being able to articulate what applies and doesn't apply to you depending on your personal situation. I guess the other thing that really should be highlighted is that if you do have a significant number of assets and a reasonable level of income, but it's inside those limits, and so you do qualify for a very small pension, a lot of people might think, oh, it's not really worth worrying about. But it's not just about the pension money, because if you qualify for the part pension, you also qualify for a lot of other benefits and concessions, don't you? Look, that's exactly right. And and I think when you sit down and add those things up over the course of a year where you would have um, concessional licence costs or a free driver's licence, um, rates, electricity and other concessions. My father-in-law very kindly pointed out that in New South Wales he gets a free gun licence. So I'm not sure if he was rubbing that in my face or just <laughs> pointing out one of the benefits that he thoroughly enjoys. About I think he's weeks, just, just politely letting you know you need to behave yourself. Well, that's, that's exactly how I took it. So I wasn't going to argue with him after all. Um, but again, there, there is a lot of monetary value. And especially from a pharmaceutical perspective, if you are getting older and you have a significant amount of medication that you need to take, that can provide a significant cost saving, which can then result in more of your retirement income being used for lifestyle things as opposed to paying for prescriptions. So even if you get a dollar, it could actually be worth far more than the dollar that you're receiving in pension when you consider all of the ancillary benefits that are tied to it. Indeed. So, Luke, what are the things to consider when approaching the age pension age? Yeah, so some of the key things I would consider is understand the gifting rules. So that basically says that you can give away $10,000 a year or $30,000 over a five-year period. And if you give away any more than that, Centrelink will assess you as effectively still owning it when it comes to the income and the asset test that we talked about previously. So just understand the time frame leading into your eligibility. Have a look at your assets and see if you can take advantage of the gifting rules that are there. 
Um, another thing to consider is that if you're part of a couple and one of you is entitled to the age pension, any superannuation held in the younger person's account where an income stream or pension is not commenced is exempt under the assets test. So that can be one that can be very beneficial when they look at the assets of the person that is entitled to the pension because of their age. So structuring your assets correctly at the time you're eligible or prior can be very advantageous from a pension perspective and maximise your entitlements going forwards or until the younger of the two reaches eligibility age. So that's, that's one that can have a huge impact on what you do and how you do it. Another big thing to consider, especially for the older generation, is your estate planning. A lot of people want their assets to pass to their children. And for the older members of the community out there that say, well, I'm going to pass assets to my children. And when they do actually pass away, their children are age, pension age. Receiving that money can make a huge issue or potential capital problem for their existing entitlements for pensions because it may actually blow them over the assets test and remove their eligibility. So think about your estate planning. If you are uh, a little older, it might be worth passing assets to the younger generation or your grandchildren to actually provide additional benefits to your parents. Another big one is the downsizing legislation. A wonderful piece of legislation that says, I've sold my family home and I can get more money or the, the residual capital from the sale and the purchase of potentially a smaller property, I can get that money into superannuation and throw in $300,000 per person where the sale occurs over the age of 65. Now, if we think about what we spoke about earlier, your entitlements to Centrelink is on your accessible assets. We've seen property prices go crazy over the last two years. And if you downsize and throw money into super, keep in mind you may be blowing up your eligibility for Centrelink entitlements because your asset position will be reassessed following the sale of your family home. So keep that one in mind as well because whilst the legislation is great to add money to super, it can be a disadvantage for people that receive the age pension because their asset position will change. And a lot of people's primary wealth is tied up in their family home. And if you now realise that by way of adding it to super, you could rob yourself of some Centrelink entitlements. So they're some of the, 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 the primary ones I'd be thinking of. The last one I'd touch on here is if you started a retirement pension before the 1st of January 2015, be very careful rolling over your benefits because you would lose what is called a deductible amount. And that was an old formula that was used where they said, what's the starting value of my pension divided by my life expectancy? And whatever that number was, that amount of income was exempt under the income test. So it was concessionally assessed and those rules changed on the 1st of January 2015. So if you're rolling over because somebody said your super funds or your pension account's cheaper somewhere else, remember that if you receive Centrelink, it could change the assessment of your entitlements under the income test. So they're, they're two or three fairly thorough considerations, but can be, can be both good and bad depending on, on how it affects you. Indeed. So, Luke, as we wrap it up today, what are the key things for people to remember when applying to Centrelink for an aged pension? Yeah, so some things for you to remember before you go and have a rapid test. Um, <laughs> one, sharpen your pencils, put your comfy shoes on, and just accept that it's, 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 it's a paper-filling bonanza 
um, and you're going to need to know a, a thorough understanding of your asset and liabilities and, and your income position. So go into it understanding that it's going to be a marathon and not a sprint. Um, as I touched on there, know your overall position. Know where your assets are held. Know when your income streams were started because um, that'll make filling out the paperwork a lot easier. Consider who owns your assets for maximum asset test um, results. So as we touched on before the ad break, you know, the younger person of a couple could hold more of the assets and have them exempt where a pension is not started. That's a really good strategy to maximise the older person's entitlements at Centrelink. Keep in mind that your family home is exempt, so you don't need to worry about the value of it. But if you do downsize, monies that end up outside or inside of superannuation will need to be added to your asset position and could impact your entitlements under the asset test or the income test. Centrelink will also take into account income streams from DFRDB and MSBS, um, CSS, and the defined benefit income streams that are paid for a lifetime. So they would fall under the income test and remember to declare those. Consider the gifting rules. Take advantage of those where you can. You can still give money to the grandchildren and, and not hurt yourself uh, from an eligibility perspective. And remember also that you may not qualify today, but as you draw down on your assets to live, you may become eligible at a later date. So always consider your asset position and review the impact of indexation on the threshold because you may be able to get a couple of dollars of pension. And as we touched on before the ad break, whilst numerically it may not sound like a lot, the added entitlements can make a big difference to your outgoings with some, some rather nice concessions. So keep those things in mind and just remember that you know, it's, it's there to help you um, and, and consider what you're entitled to on an ongoing basis. Yeah, and uh, I guess it's important to note that uh, the age at which you qualify for the government-aged pension and the age at which you are entitled to take your superannuation are two different things. Look, very much so. And again, that's a, a, sometimes a big point of confusion. As we said at the start of the show, generally for, for younger people, 67 is your eligibility age you can take money out of superannuation from 60 onwards where you meet a condition of release or you retire or stop one form of gainful employment. So it's important to understand that there is a difference and not to muddle those two up because people can be very, very upset about having to work for an extra seven years and when you tell them they could go next week, they're over the moon and it had nothing to do with me. So if you know that from the start, it can be, it'd be far more enjoyable going in to start this process. Yeah, absolutely. So Luke, where can listeners get further information? Yeah, so the office number, 62604749. Give us a call if you're not sure. Envisionfinancial.com.au, that's Envision with an E. There's a website there and there's a knowledge centre and there's a raft of technical information and videos people can watch for free. We've got the podcast, The Strategy Stacker. Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. And you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, Envision Financial Canberra, and see all of the old shows on your iPhone. So you don't need to read anything. Sit, listen to it and, uh, and pull out the key points that affect you. So you're not threatening to remove all your material from Spotify like Neil Young did? <laughs> if they give me Joe Rogan cash, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd say something like that. Good stuff. Thanks very much, Luke. And, of course, we'll catch up with you again next Friday afternoon with more good financial advice. My pleasure, mate. Talk to you next Friday. Thank you very much. Luke Smith from Envision Financial on 2CC. And, yes, Luke will be back again at the usual time around 4.30 or so next Friday afternoon right here on 2CC.